0: I want to also express a thank you for all the people that helped at the uh, yesterday at shelbyville i did have one thing i need some additional help on uh, a guy stopped by just drove by and and he had a good conversation with him and he wanted me to talk to him later so he gave me his name and his number and i put it in my back pocket and then when i got home and took off my wet clothes there was no name or number left on the thing so some of you people that might know everyone in shelbyville I can describe this man and his wife if you can tell me who he is. So maybe look me up later. In 1981, I had my first and only experience with diamonds. They are not my best friends, but I had met the girl of my dreams, and I I knew that I knew I needed to put a ring on her finger. You know, I didn't have a lot of funds, but there was a guy. I used to lead worship in this men's group in Atlanta, and there was a guy there, and he... He was Italian, kind of gray hair. He was a much older man, probably about 48 years old. And he 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 was well built, but he was kind of like an enforcer. I just you know when he talked, everyone stopped. Whatever he said, everyone did. If he said jump, everyone jumped. He was just that type of individual. And so he came up to me and he says, uh, you do need to put a ring on that girl's finger. Um, I can help you with that. Meet me Thursday at 2 o'clock at this address. And I'm just shaking my head. I'll be there. I'll be there. And I didn't know what I had got into, but I show up at his shop. And it's incredible shop. I wish I could go back there now that I know a little bit more about life. But, I mean, he had incredible clocks and jukeboxes and stuff like that. And he says, let's hop in the car out back. So I follow him out back. And he has this mini limo, like a 58, 59 half limo jet black so here I am riding around with this enforcer guy in this black limo going to go look for diamonds and so he's going through Atlanta and he would pull up to the back door of these steel doors in these buildings that I probably never would stop at and he didn't knock or anything but when he came the door opened you know and so we went back in and they laid out a black this cool black cloth and and uh, there was vaults there and the guy brought Adam sprinkled some diamonds and He's looking through them and every so often he'd bring out his lens and look through them anymore and and it was kind of interesting because i i gave the guy a mount you know he just said give me the money up front we're going to find a diamond today and so that first place we didn't find one so he drives another place you know kind of a kind of a weird area in town and goes up to the door and i go with him the door just opens and someone lets him you know he doesn't knock or anything and during this whole time he's just giving signals not saying a word but these guys are jumping at whatever he tells them to do finally at the third place he He's looking through them and finally says, this is a one," And so he gets in and we leave. And uh, he says, I'll, I'll put it in the ring set. And I told him white gold. And he says, I got it done. And next week he brought it to me. Really, really cool. But during that time, I talked to him about diamonds. And he said, you know, we could have laid out one-carat diamonds, which, of course, I didn't buy any one-carat diamonds. But he, he laid it out and he said uh, they could be anywhere from 2,000 to $20,000 for a one-carat diamond. He says, but you won't see those $20,000. They are perfect diamonds. They never show up on the market. And he was telling me more about diamonds that they don't go up incrementally in cost, but they go up exponentially in cost. Like you go to a four-carat diamond, it comes in at $30,000 and goes up, the perfect one goes to three hundred. dollars But diamonds are kind of interesting. The larger ones go off the chart i'm gonna look at the top four coming in at number four is the pink star i think we got a picture there's the pink star that diamond uh and you wonder all these diamonds have crazy stories you you wonder if this is where the pink panther idea came from this diamond the fourth one it is 70 uh, it's 59.6 carats 59.6 carats comes in at 71.6 $2 million, it sold in 1970 at a Sotheby auction to someone on the phone. They don't know who has bought this diamond, but so you can't buy that now, we have no idea where it's at. If you want that diamond, it's probably not available. Coming at number three is the Hope Diamond. I've seen this one, have you seen this one? I think it doesn't have all these jewels around it It does in the Smithsonian, right? Anybody currently see it? It it doesn't, and part of the reason why is there's a curse on this diamond, and whoever owned it had bad things go, happen to them. So anyway, that main piece, uh, uh, that diamond uh, is in the Smithstoning, just the diamond. It's smaller than the other diamond. It is only 45.52 carats. And one thing that happens, and let's, let's back up a little bit. I didn't put this up. The thing that makes diamonds valuable are the four Cs. Y'all know the four Cs? Anyone know the four Cs? Number one is, is the cut, the clarity, the color, and the carat weight. Those are the four C's. And, and so how it's cut is really important. How that diamond's cut, it adds value to it. It's clarity, how clear it is. Some are foggy or some have imperfections in them. And then the color adds value. And, of course, the carat weight. So we're on diamond number three. Put it back up there, the Hope Diamond. Uh, in the Smithsonian, just that middle stone, you can see that color. Even though it doesn't have as much carat weight as the, the Pink Star, the Pink Panther one, it, um, it has a lot of clarity. You can see that color coming out of it. You can see that dazzle coming out of it. But it has a curse, so at some point someone said, hey, we don't want this in our family anymore. Let's give it to the Smithsonian. So if you want to take a drive today, you probably could get in there tomorrow morning and, and see the Hope Diamond, but they won't sell it to you. Number two, coming in at number two is uh, the Star of Africa. This has quite the story. Uh, It came out of the Culligan uh, Mines, and it was named also sometimes called the Culligan Diamond. It came out of one of the roughest, uh, a rough diamond of gem quality, one of the larger ones that has ever been discovered, uh, 3,106.75 carats. That's a bunch of diamond. But... King Edward II bought it for, you know, a few million dollars because it hadn't been cut. And so, around 1917, they they, they did a lot of research and a lot of people were interviewed about how to cut this diamond. And so, how to get the most out of it. And so, what a diamond cutter does is he looks at it and he says... Where are the pieces of value? Where where is there that unity that I can draw from? He had to have a vision for how he cut this diamond. And he knew he couldn't get all uh, 3,106 carats in one diamond. So he cut it into about eight really valuable diamonds. And then there was others left over. Uh, About 200 uh, carats of it were made out of seven diamonds queen elizabeth ii wound up with those but the big diamond that came out of it was the star of africa or the culligan one diamond and it was 530 carats is what he was able to get as he got that vision for that one and unified one area two billion dollars okay but coming at number one is the diamond of babur or the uh, coroner sometimes people call uh, this, this diamond has a long history. It came out of India. Uh, th- India was the only source for diamonds that they knew of in the world till about 1725, and then they discovered diamonds in Brazil. And then they discovered diamonds in Africa. Do you know of any state that also has diamonds in the United States? Just a question. Arkansas, Arkansas diamonds. Yeah, we've got an Arkansas person. I actually have a small, or... I don't know what size uh, Arkansas diamond, but they're not quite as valuable as some of the others out there. Um, this this diamond is also, there's a curse. I think part of the curse is the British have it, and it came out of India, and India people would really like this diamond back. Uh, it is spoke of back in the 1300s. They believe this diamond is almost 1,000 years old, has a lot of history, um, but they can't put a price on it. It's, worth billions and billions and billions of dollars but there's no price on it so i really wanted to do you're saying where are you going with this diamond thing i really wanted to perk your interest and talk about things of value and how they go up exponentially in reference to what we're going to talk on this morning it's unity unity carries great value it's a prize. It's a God-given opportunity. It exponentially changes our lives, our community, our individuals as they come together, a nation. That's why it's so important to understand unity, because it can be priceless to us. I want to read a couple scriptures that kind of make this point. Let's turn to John 17, 20 through 23. It says this I do not pray for these alone, but for those who those also who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one. And this is what the diamond cutter he tries to find that one piece, he tries to make it as many characters as he can. He, he looks for that oneness, he looks for that vision that they can be one in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. When we walk one with the Father, when we walk in unity. It puts off a dazzle that's a big thing about diamonds it's like what what is that you know you just see it reflecting the light what is that you know and as we walk with the father it puts off a dazzle and people say hey there's something different about these people and the glory which you gave me I have given them it's like the glory that's on the father as we start walking that transformed life gets on us That they may be one just as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfect in one. God wants to transform us. You know, and I know sometimes you feel like, man, my life is so discolored. My life is so foggy. My life is so dark and cloudy. I've had so many miscuts in my life that people have cracked off pieces and, you know, all this stuff in my life. But God has that ability to transform and add value to. Our lives as we get in God, as we get in our Heavenly Father, as the Holy Spirit begins to transform our life, and that the world may know that you've sent me and love them as you have loved me. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3, it says this: Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. God's calling us to shine forth, to reflect Him. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Right now we're in a day where, man, division, darkness, depression, disbelief, distrust, all the D words out there are happening in our world today. Have you noticed that? But when we walk in the glory of God, there's a light that starts to shine upon us. Behold, deep darkness will cover the people, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. When we walk in unity, and we walk with the Father God in that transforming unity, all of a sudden, our lives start to reflect God's glory. Psalms 133. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? In what? Say that a little bit louder. Same time. Wait, let's make say all the same time. One, two, three. Wow. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down upon the beard, upon Aaron's beard, running down upon the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion for there. And the there is a reference to what? What's the word we said? unity okay for there the lord commanded and also not only past tense, but press uh, present tense for there the lord commands the blessing life forever more that's how powerful it is unity when god sees unity starts to take place it says that the god of heavens commands blessing i don't know about you but That kind of gets my attention. You thought diamonds got your attention. How would you like the God of heaven? You're walking in unity, and God of the heavenlies commands a blessing upon a group of people, commands a blessing upon a gathering, commands a blessing upon your life. Does that get your attention? Would you want the God of heaven to be looking down upon you and commanding a blessing? Well, this is what we want to look at. For the next few moments, we want to look at this thing of great value, this great opportunity that God's placed before us. Unity brings a power. It brings a beauty, a fragrance, a glory, a blessing, a a, a purpose, potential. But there's venues. Let's just look at some venues of where unity can happen, okay? Just some venues where it can work out, play out. One is in marriage. You can have unity in your marriage. And God can command a blessing. Here's, here's a verse, Proverbs 18, 22, He who finds a wife finds a, what's that word? Good thing. If you're sitting next to your wife, just say, you're a good thing. If you're sitting next to your husband, say, hey, and you're a good thing too, okay? A good thing and obtains favor, or the other way this is translated, obtains a blessing from the Lord. God will and can command a blessing over a marriage that walks in unity. That doesn't always happen. How many people realize that doesn't always happen? Some of you say, hey, uh, it doesn't seem like a blessing. It seems like a curse. (laughs) We're going to talk about why in just a minute. Number two, here's another venue, is Friendship. Proverbs 27, 9, oil and perfume delights the heart and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight or clarity by hearty counsel. Friendships are powerful. The whole book of Proverbs talks about friendships. It gives us warning about certain friends that we shouldn't be around like the fool or the scorner, you know. But it talks about wise friends and how important it is to have a friend in your life. It can change your life. In fact, if I see your friends, I can probably tell you your future because your friends have that much impact. It's important. And sometimes, I'll be honest, there's probably some of you out here saying man, I don't have a close friend. And just like a marriage, it just doesn't happen. I think we've all had friendships go awry, or we've all had shallow friendships, but to have true friendship with one or two individuals can really transform our lives. Another venue is, uh, is what I probably call tribes or communities, you know, uh, small communities or tribes. Uh, you can look back through the Old Testament, you can look back through culture, and you can see... Many times, tribes, because they were small, maybe small family gatherings or groups would get together, and they'd have blood covenants with other tribes for protection, for safety, for development. And sometimes when they walked in unity, different tribes, as they came together, they could prevent maybe a king from coming and taking him over they could change a country as they walked in a healthy union uh unity sometimes they fought with one another and it, it was just a total mess but there was it was just like there would be blessings over tribes that could unify and protect each other <coughs> we also see that in in community uh it, it talks about in matthew 18:20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name i am in the midst of them This is the the whole purpose of this series is, is we need to understand that we desperately need community. If we can have a group of people that we can walk with in unity and get together and pray with and get counsel with and grow and be on mission with, we go from being one carat to two carat to eight carat to 14 carat. And all of a sudden we're talking about something of great value that starts to develop. We need unity desperately. And then there's one other scripture that to me is very interesting. Is Hebrews 10, twenty-five, four and 25. It says this. And let us consider one another in order to stir up to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. <coughs> God wants to assemble us he wants to kind of create that diamond that glory as we come together and assemble now there's a difference between gathering and assembly i heard robert morse talk some on this and i'm just going to take his story and add some stuff to it here but there's a difference between things being gathered there's a lot of churches there's a lot of small groups that assemble but not all of them gather you know, I could take you out to a barn and say, hey, I've got a 1948 Porsche in this barn. And I could take you out to that barn and say, hey, it's right here. And you say, well, where? Well, here's three tires. There's two over there in the hay bin, but there's a block, there's a transmission, there's a side panel over here, you know, there's some nuts and bolts in that box over here. and would you buy it you might but you wouldn't give a lot it wouldn't catch your eye but if I took you out to the barn where there was a assembled 1948 Porsche it would be a different thing that color that clarity that purpose that vision all in one piece and it would be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars see the difference see a lot of churches a lot of small groups A lot of marriages, a lot of friendship, hey, we gathered, we got together, but there's a difference between gathering and assembling. We've seen it to a degree here at New Hope as we have found that vision of of, of wanting to see a greater move in the next generation as we've gathered around that. A bunch of spiritual much, but we've gathered around that as we do, all of a sudden we start working, we start. Not gathering, but we start assembling, and all of a sudden you see something starting to take place. This is what unity begins to look like, and God begins to move. Another group, another venue is the Christian community. It's unique to the world. Uh, Galatians 3:28 says this uh, about the body of Christ. Uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male or female, for you're all one in Christ. And if Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds and heir according to the promise. Uh, The Christian community is probably one of the most inclusive communities the world has ever seen. There's every tribe, every tongue in it around the world, rich, poor, slave, women, men, young, old, Greeks, Ethiopians, the whole thing, and there's a unity in Christ. And when the church has come together, I'm a history buff, throughout history, you'll see a thread of how the church has come together. And at those times, the church has it can just change a community, change a nation, save the world from just different things. But in the same token, <clears throat> a church that's divided and self-destructed, ruled by man, it can be very ugly. Just like a marriage can get very ugly. A friendship, you can kill a friend, you know. Same way a tribes can attack each other. And when we walk away from unity, things get ugly really quick. But that potential is there. And then, of course, the last venue is a is nation. Is a nation united or divided? And nations, this, this will determine a nation, and I think we're at a key place. This nation could change overnight if it divides. It will be conquered. It will not be the same as it's ever been, and it, just, it can go down real quick if it gets divided, if it gets severed, if it gets uh, cut apart. So within these five venues, i I'm up here. Yesterday we were working with fiberglass. I woke up this morning and I said, I feel that fiberglass in my throat. Within these five venues, I'd like to just in the next few moments clear up some mystery because unity just doesn't happen. When you got married, was it happily ever after? I'll be honest, was it? All the marriage, was it just, see, show of hands, was it happily? It just, yeah, Okay under a year under two years I'm just <laughs> yeah okay okay I'm just I'm just I'm just just making a point there it just doesn't happen a great friendship just doesn't happen a great small group just doesn't happen an incredible church doesn't happen there's a work there's a sacrifice and there's some basic tools and I'm gonna throw up kind of a worksheet and 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 I struggled with this this morning because I said oh I don't like how it's it is I feel like there's missing parts but it's kind of a worksheet and let's just kind of wade through it we put unity up and uh i'm gonna put um uh we can either be a builder or we can be a breaker it's just it's just that matter uh, you know builder i'm gonna look at a scripture in matthew 5 9 tells us this uh blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of god And if you look in the beatitudes it's like a growing list and almost at the very top are peacemakers they're few and far in between but throughout history you might not find their name uh, very easily, but there's peacemakers throughout history that have saved entire nations, saved entire communities, stopped wars, stop battles you know uh, but they're kind of sometimes hidden people, but they're a very valuable person, not a peacekeeper but someone that can make peace for they'll be called the sons of God so a builder is Striving to be a peacemaker. Uh, On the other end, you have breakers of peace. And a scripture on this is, I mean, Romans 16, 17. Now, I urge you, brethren, note those. And that word note's a strong word. It means to mark those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. And avoid them. There are people that... They love to break unity. And I've had them in churches. And, and, you know, I like to walk in love and be kind to people. But if someone, I can just see it on them, they just want to bring division, you know, I'm going to rise up and and stop it, you know, because it'll tear up a church. Sometimes in a marriage, you know, you can have that that breaker thing where you're just like, you you just know how to break things, you know how to put stuff together. uh, And it's a a tough place to be. Now, I'm going to make a quote, not directly. It's not every day that you hear a Charles Barkley quote, but I'm going to make a Charles Barkley quote. It was on the, it was on the, uh, um, oh, toward the final, March Madness. I don't know if he'll be on TV next year after making this quote, but he made this quote, and I thought it was profound. He says, did you know in America, and, and Charles Barkley, I don't know if you know this, he's African American. He said, you know, American. There are a lot of great white people in this country. I mean, there's a lot of amazing white people in this country. And he says there's a lot of great black people in this country. Amazing black people. Don't do anything for you? There are a lot of great Asians in this country. Incredible people. There are a lot. of, And he just kind of went through two or three. And he says, but the problem is, and it's kind of like that Roman things, mark those people. But we have a Republican Party. And we have a democratic party and we have factions that are trying to divide us and that's not right you got to watch for people that want to divide us you got to watch for people that try and i talk about this a lot of times in a marriage when people get married watch out for people that try to divide a husband and wife like you need to leave him you need to love her we are not called to be breakers we're called to be peacemakers okay Just wanted to say that. Number, (laughs) coming right along. Uh, Another thing on this worksheet of Between Builders and Breakers, you've got people that are appreciators, and you've got people that are scorners. A big part of unity is to, to, to be a thankful person, whether it's marriage or friendship or community. You know, find value. Catch people doing things right. Our words are a clue because they're, they're words that, that lift, that, that exhort you to do good, that encourage you and push you forward in groups of people forward. There's a lot of things that don't go right, but you just, the bulk of your words are encouraging words. Where, on the other hand, a scorner, they always want to mock. They always want to make fun of. Something's better over here. or They want to disrespect or they want to pull people down. And that's, that's what a, a breaker does. Over here, we have a giver under a builder. It's just like they, they want to give whatever they can. When they wake up in the morning, how can I give into this? How can I invest my life into this? How can I make this marriage better? How can I make this friendship better? How can I, what can I do to encourage the people in my small community or church or my nation? Where takers taker is like, what can I get out of this? What can I get out of this friendship? What am I getting out of this marriage? What am I getting out of this church? And there's a big difference between those two. Another thing, you you look over to the builder, they're always lifting other people. They're thinking about other people. They don't wake up thinking about themselves, but they think about the people they're running into that day, and they lift other people. Where a breaker, when they wake up in the morning, they're thinking about how they feel, and what they want to do, and where they want to go, and what they want to buy. Big difference. A builder also worships God I, I realized this uh, a few weeks back. It was just like I was just a lot on my mind. But, man, I just, just started worshiping God over here. I usually go to the second service and, you know, you know, catch all the worship. But as I was over there, it was just like, you know, a lot of stuff on my mind. But as I began to worship God, I caught that perspective that I'm worshiping the God in the heavenlies. And all this other minutiae doesn't matter. It's just all of a sudden you get your eyes back on God where a breaker over here worships maybe other people, celebrities and other people and not God, or maybe themselves, they worship themselves. Uh, Get over here on the builder, they pray for their enemies. And, And this might seem tough, but our enemy sometimes can be our wife or our husband. Be honest, it can be our friend. It can be someone in our small group. It can be someone in our church, and that will happen, and that's what is so important. When you hit that, don't be surprised. When you fall out of love or you're really aggravated, that's a great time to begin to pray for that person, and you get to know them through God's eyes, and all of a sudden, your marriage becomes stronger. Your friendship becomes stronger. Over on the other, as you begin to curse and literally kill, God talks about anger is, is the same as murder. And then last, the last one I put up here is um, a builder embraces conflict, kind of has an opportunity for growth. Um, You know, conflict happens in a marriage. Can I hear amen? Is there conflict? How many people, you had a friendship? Some of the friends you don't have, there was a conflict, but if you work through it, does your friendship get better? You know, same way in a small group. When you get people, two or three people under the roof, there's conflict in the church there's always going to be this type of stuff but we need a laser focus you know what's the one thing if you've been hurt or if they said something it's important not to avoid it but say hey need to talk with you you know something happened it kind of hurt my heart and i just wanted to find out where you're coming from on this and let's talk about it let's get it out in the open and it's very laser focused and 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 it deals with that one issue it's not this you know real broad but let's and, and the laser is turned off it's not I, th- I think we're all in desperate need of some unity. We're in some need of transformation. Some of us are in a desperate need for health in our marriage. Some are in desperate need for friendship. <laughs> we need a small group. We need to learn how to assemble with one another. And so, as we sing this last song, I want to just kind of be open what the Holy Spirit says it might be as simple as you need to let that go you need to forgive you need to throw away the score sheet or you, there's a friendship that you need to pursue that you need to you know, take that person out to lunch you need to d- develop that friendship you need that in your life God might give you some great ideas of of some things uh in your marriage maybe you haven't been appreciating your mate but every day it's kind of like hey let's do some laser surgery i saw something else you did wrong today and wrong tomorrow and stuff like that and you need to say hey i need to really thank god for you because you have blessed my life and i realized that you're valuable you're like a diamond and i need you in my life can you do that? Will you do the next few minutes just, just kind of sit there? Maybe um, maybe even just kind of look at your hands and say, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to put my hand to? What do you want me to put my house?" to? You might need to put your hand on your mouth. You know, Lord, give me some, some words of life, and let's see what happens. Just let's take a few moments with this song.